Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good today? So glad that you're here. Hey, I really am. Thanks for coming today, especially if you're a guest. I know Kevin welcomed you a moment ago. My name is Kenny, and I'm the campus pastor, and it really does mean a lot you give us a few minutes of your time today as we continue this series, Bridge of Hope. And that's what we want to be. We don't want to just be a church with a name called The Bridge. We really do want to be a bridge of hope to those who are hopeless, to those who are hurting, to those who are in need, and even to those who are just skeptical about Christianity and about Jesus, but we still uh, still want to meet their needs however we can, and, uh, and that's what this series is about. Not only how do we do that, but how are we doing that? Because I believe that every person in the room wants to make a difference. Somehow, some way, teachers want to make a difference with their life. Pastors want to make a difference with their life. Uh, those who serve in law enforcement want to make a difference with their life. Lawyers want to, mm, yeah, law, they want to make a difference with their life. Every single person alive wants to make a difference with their life. And I really do believe that because I believe that's what Scripture teaches. Um, I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's masterpiece created to do good works. I don't know if anybody's told you that lately, but you, the person sitting in your chair, is God's masterpiece. Like he thought about you. He put some time into thinking about what kind of personality you would have, what kind of giftedness he would give you, the skills that you have that the person next to you, they do not have. And he wired you up in such a way that he planted in you, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, that he took a little bit of eternity and placed it into your heart. So you think about eternity. You think about making a difference with the little bit of time that you have on this ball of dirt spinning around that you really do want to make a difference with your life. And, uh, and I love thinking about the time that we have left and what we do have in our life uh, compared to like the gas gauge, because there are so many different personalities in here when it comes to the gas gauge in your car. It's always nice to have it on full, but you know, at some point it starts going down. And I think there are three groups of people in the room, by the way. There are those in the room that when it gets to about a quarter tank, you start looking for gas. Where are you people in the room? When it gets a quarter tank, you're like, all right, I need a gas station right now. See, these are the people right around in the parking lot with their seatbelt on. I mean, it's like, play it safe. <laughs> this is where the red should start right here, but that's the court of thing. And then there are people in the room, you know, you're like at an eighth, you're like here. You, you, don't, you, you, don't, you live on the edge, but not too much on the edge where you fall off. You know what I'm saying? Where are you people, by the way? Eighth of a tank people, you're right here. The rest of the people in the room... There are lights going off in your car, <laughs> noises just being made all in your car. And then you look down and you're like, I might need some gas. <laughs> Where are you people in the room? It, oh my gosh. <laughs> and here's what I know is true. Those people married these people. That's how that works in life right there. Because these people get in your car and they're like, you got to be kidding me. How do they go anywhere in life living this way? Because that person always thinks, there's just a little bit more. There's a little bit more. It's okay. It's okay. I don't know if you realize this or not about life, but it's true. This is very similar to life, believe it or not, that you can't give what you don't have. It's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to live life to the fullest to do good the way God wants you to do good, 
to make a difference the way you want to make a difference when you're exhausted. That you're living at such a pace that you can't possibly even think about doing good. You know, Kevin gets on the stage and he's got his do good shirt on and he's talking about buying one for $20. I'm talking about doing good and just doing good in the community, serving people. And is it, listen, if you find your life right here, isn't there something that you just kind of shrink into your chair going, I can't even, I can't even think about tomorrow right now. I'm on, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like ticking past the red. Why? Because you can't give what you don't have. You can't give hope when you feel hopeless, right? You can't give wisdom to someone else if you haven't been putting wisdom in your life. You can't give encouragement to someone else if you feel totally discouraged in life. You can't give kindness to someone else if you walk around angry at everybody in life. You can't give love away to someone if you don't have love in your heart to give. You can't give time to serving someone if your schedule is so maxed out that there's actually no margin to give anywhere or anybody else in your life. You can't give financially to help any organization or anyone who might need help financially if yourself, you're actually running on E or if you're living on credit cards, you're actually past E. You can't give what you don't have. And here's the great news. I love this. God is a God of abundance. God is a God who wants you to be able to do good. Isn't that what we just read? And God knows this. I created you to do good. I wired you up to do good. I want you to be able to do good. That means that God is a God of adding to your life, not taking away from your life. Isn't that what Jesus said? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you may have life to the full. That's what Jesus said. And either he's right or he's a liar. And we have all lived here before, and it is a great place to live, isn't it? And I think we've all lived here before. As a matter of fact, I'm guessing that some of us in the room, you're here in life. Others in the room, you might actually be here. Some of us might find ourselves in the middle. But it's so good to be able to help someone else out when you've got a full tank to be able to help them. I, I remember this is the very first time I remember this happening in my marriage. Valerie and I, we had just gotten married. We're in Mobile, Alabama. And we had saved up some money to go to a really nice restaurant, Chili's. So we're, I'm not joking. So we're at, we have no money. We're at Chili's. We've saved up. We're going to go to Chili's. We're going to do something nice together. And we're sitting at Chili's and we're talking about life and about marriage and all this kind of stuff. We get our meal. And when the lady comes with the check, um, she goes, someone's already paid your meal for you. We look around and we know no one in the restaurant, no one. Um, a couple next to us, they look to be in retirement age, come over to us, not sitting far from us, and they walk over to the, our table and they go, you guys are newly married, aren't you? And we're like, yeah, we are. And they said, we remember what it was like and we just wanted to do something nice for you. And they walked away. And I was like, rent's due next week. About if you can come back. <laughs> I'm just playing. I didn't do that. I did look at Valerie and say, I wish I would have gotten dessert. But that's a different story too. That part is true. Because I remember. And it was like, wow, it was the first time I thought, wow, 
wow, I was just so moved. We didn't have any money. We're young. We're in our early 20, 23 and 21 years old. And for someone to buy our dinner, whew, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. This when I remember seeing someone who lived here, they could give a little bit. Didn't hurt them at all. Didn't hurt them at all. See, for us to be a bridge of hope to our community and around the world, it takes resources, it takes funds, and it takes money. So let me tell you up front, up front, that's what I'm talking about today. I know that when a preacher gets on stage talking about money and finances, people just start getting a little squirmy, you know, she, she's grabbing her purse a little tighter, he's checking his wallet, anybody, anybody robbed me when I came in? I mean, it's, I get it, okay? We're not passing the plate today, just relax. As a matter of fact, here's the take I'm taking on this message today. Literally, I am giving you the message with the truths that my dad gave me growing up, and it is exactly the truths that I am passing on to my kids. So if you get offended at the very end of the message, you can't come up to me and go, that was a horrible sermon. It's not a sermon. You can go, that's horrible parenting advice. That's what you can tell me, because that's what today is all about. So I want to help you in this area of finances so that you can live able to do good with what God has given to you. Here's, here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. When it comes to giving, here's what the Bible says. I'm not commanding you to give, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. That's why we don't pass a plate here. It's one of the reasons we don't pass a plate. Because the, and when you read in the Bible, uh, you're never commanded to, to, to be, give everything away and that's what you should do. You should give absolutely every dime away. No, no, no. It's not guilt-driven giving when you read Scripture at all. Not at all. I mean, it's between you and God. Should we teach biblical principles and what God desires for your life? Absolutely. But what you give is between you and God. And that's what he says. It's a test. When it comes to your finances, it's a test. And it's not just a test of your stewardship. It is a test of your love is what's a test of. So I use that word test for an acrostic for us to follow. And the first thing I would tell my kids, if I wanted them to be able to live this way financially and to honor God with everything that they have, the first thing I tell them is the word toil. I, I want you to know it is a good thing to work it is a good thing to work. It's not bad. I know that toil is also hard, and that comes with work many times, is that it's hard to work. And so you just need to know it is a good thing to work. There is a book that if you, if you enjoy reading, you need to get your hands on this book. It's called Everyday Millionaire by Chris Hogan. He tells a story about how he came to know Christ, which is really, really cool. But a great financial advisor that works along Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. Let me tell you the premise of the book, and then I'll kind of quote it throughout the, the message today. The premise of the book is he interviewed, he and his team interviewed 10,000, 10,000 millionaires, regular, ordinary millionaires, 10,000. He wanted to know what do they have in common? What didn't they do growing up? What did they do growing up? These are everyday millionaires. Um, and here's one thing that he quoted in his book, and I want to read it to you. Here's what it says, Chris Hogan. Growing up, <clears throat> I believe millionaires were born into money. As a black kid in a single parent home, I felt the odds were stacked against me. But becoming a millionaire does not come from luck, inheritance, or high paying jobs. It's about work. 93% of millionaires said they got there by hard work, not big salaries. 10,000 millionaires. 
It wasn't by hitting it big. It wasn't by a huge inheritance. It was just steady day in and day out hard work. I would want my kids to know, listen, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to being able to pay someone's tab at a restaurant that you see might be struggling, or God just says, hey, I want you to pick it up. I'm just telling you, you're going to have a little extra by hard work. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Now, I, I, I could be totally wrong on this. This is just my opinion. That's all it is. But it feels like there is a movement that if, if you work hard and you're rewarded for it, then that's a problem and you're part of the problem. That if you work really hard and you're rewarded financially for it, then you're part of the problem in America. Again, I could be wrong and that's just my opinion. That's all it is. But did you know the Bible never, ever, ever, ever says this? As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Over 800 verses in the Bible about money, over 800. When you look at the people of scripture who honored God, very wealthy. Not all of them. We do not believe in health and wealth around this place. Will you honor God? Well, you're gonna become a millionaire too. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what the Bible talks about. But when you look at Abraham, very, very, very wealthy man. When you look at David, when you look at Moses, when you look at Job, a man who was very wealthy, lost everything, and then God doubled everything. You go, what about the New Testament? Yeah, look at Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, he tells a story about three, ser <laughs> three servants. Three servants. Quit laughing at me. Three servants. In this story, Jesus talks about how each one were given gifts. The first guy actually doubled the gifts and worked hard, so he was blessed even more with what he had. The second guy did the same thing. The third guy didn't work. He didn't do anything at all. Jesus looks at this guy and basically has some harsh words for him, and then watch this. He actually takes what was given to him and gives it to the wealthy guy. <laughs> Jesus doesn't show up on the scene and go, oh, well, you got some? We're going to take all from you and give it to the guys who's not working. Total opposite, total opposite. It's a, I would want my kids, it is a good thing for you to work hard. God blesses those who work hard. The second thing I would tell my kids is this, eliminate, eliminate. I'd go, man, I want you to work hard in life with the gifts that God's given you. And then eliminate, eliminate all debt. It was eight years in our marriage before we bought our very first piece of furniture. Everything was hand-me-downs, everything everything. You go, golly, y'all were poor. We were. We were po. actually. We couldn't even afford the O-R at the end. We were just po. I'm just, we, why? I remember my dad telling me, don't go into debt. Don't ever go into debt. Eliminate debt. Eliminate debt. Eliminate debt. And I'm so, so grateful that he told me, eliminate debt. Eliminate debt. Eliminate debt. Eliminate debt. And, but for us, I think it's also important to eliminate the leaks because there are places you leak in, in this world. For me, it's the grocery store. I leak all in the grocery store. I'm just telling you right now. My wife gives me a list of what I'm supposed to go get. I'm walking through the grocery store and I'm like, oh, well, we need that too. It ain't on the list. We need that too. And I come home and just, and she's going, why did you get, a, we don't need another spatula. We have two. And I'm like, did you see the handle on this one though? I mean, it's just, and it just leak financially when I go to the grocery store. You bought five, five you, bought, you bought five gallons of ice cream? I'm like, well, there's five of us in the house. 
we have two in the freezer. Better for all of us, right? I mean, it's like, so I just leak everywhere when I go to the grocery store. Question, where do you leak? This is sounding kind of weird, right? But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let me tell you where most people leak. Most people, most people, Chris Hogan in the book talks about these three areas where most people leak and they don't recognize this is where they're leaking financially. And the leak simply just does this in your life. That's all it does slowly, but you never know it. First place is gas stations. He talks about how when you go fill up with gas, it's $30 to fill up. But if you ever walk inside, you're paying more for a candy bar, for a scratch off and a drink. And you just spend another $30. And then you go back and do it again two weeks later. He just talks about, listen, gas stations are places where everybody leaks. Instead of staying here at the end of the month, you're wondering where everything went. He says gas stations. The second thing, cars, cars. Listen, if you can afford a brand new car, please go buy a brand new car. Come by, pick me up, and let's go to Starbucks together. I want to ride in it. Here's what he says in his book. Everyday millionaires, 10,000 millionaires, all drove cars four years older, had 40,000 miles, and they paid cash for them. Never a new car. Never, never. Car loans will completely leak you to E. It's not that you don't want to give to do good. It's that you can't give because you're leaking everywhere. And the third thing that he mentioned was credit cards. Credit card debt is consuming America and it's, just a, it's leaking, it's leaking, it's leaking. As a matter of fact, this financial advisor, Ralph, I, I love this quote. This is really, really good. Here's what he said from Spectrum Financial CEO. People who use credit cards and pay 12 to 20% interest will forever live in poverty. Never borrow money to purchase anything that doesn't increase in value. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Can we say those three words together? This is really good homework for us right here. If you don't have the money, now you ain't got to look at your spouse when you say it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like we're, we're saying it together. We're in this together. If you don't have the money, you don't buy it. Pray for it, say for it, and wait for it. My dad told me that over and over and over and over and over. If you ain't got the money, Kenny, don't buy it. Wait for it wait for it. And man, we're newlyweds and we see our friends with new furniture, new cars behind the scenes because my dad had told me they're going, yeah, it's not theirs. It's the credit cards. It's the banks. It's not there. They don't own it. What you see, Kenny, is not reality. It's not reality. He was so right. And the financial pressure it was putting on these newlyweds, then they started having kids. Oh, and they're just feeling this right here in their life. And in their marriage, this is what they're feeling, Right? And I love what he says. If you don't have it, don't buy it. Here's what Proverbs chapter 22, verse seven says. Same thing. The borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower. If you forever borrow, you will feel like a slave. You will never feel free. And listen, as your pastor, listen, this is coming from complete love, complete love for you and wanting you to live here, somewhere in here. This is where I want you to live. You should never have to think about buying a flat screen TV with a credit card or a shirt with a credit card. Never. You should never, ever. You just go without, save up, and then you go together and buy one in cash. If you can't afford a shirt, you know, at, at Dillard's, go to Marshall's. You'll find the same one for 10 bucks. We live at Marshall's as a family. It's a great place. 
but it's a great word for our kids. It may be a great word for you. Eliminate the leaks. Just determine we're not leaking anymore financially. Third thing I tell my kids would be this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Save, save, save. Just save. Just save. Just save. If you're in a business to where you, um, you are able to put into your retirement, Chris Hogan says, man, just max it out, max it out, max it out, max it out. 80% of the millionaires they 80% of the millionaires they interviewed, 10,000 millionaires, 80% of them did not inherit one dime. We live in a world that makes you think one day you're going to hit it big. One day there's going to be an inheritance. Oh, one day somebody's going to take care of me. Listen, if you are ever depending on someone or the government or something to pay your bills and take care of you to get ahead, you will never get ahead. It's just a reality. It's just the truth. Chris Hogan says this over and over in his book. It's people who worked hard. They eliminated all of the leaks and they saved. They started early and they saved. It was a consistent part of their life. When they got paid, they paid themselves first. I'm paying myself first. I'm paying myself first. I'm paying myself first. That you save. Uh, Dave Ramsey, we teach Financial Peace University here in the spring and in the fall. If you've never been through Financial Peace University, you need to go. But here's what Dave Ramsey says. He says, your number one wealth building tool is you. Not someone else. Not another organization. It's you. Your number one wealth building tool. Proverbs 13, 11 says this as well. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. You want to be wealthy? You want fuel in your finances? It's little by little that you're putting away. Um, saving plus time equals wealth. It's, it's, not, it's not immediate. It's saving plus time is what equals wealth. The very last thing I would tell my kids would be this, the T of test, the very last one. It would be this, tithe. It will be tithe. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you're not familiar with Scripture, it's okay. But in Scripture, a tithe means a tenth. That's what it means. It's a tenth. That for every $10 you get, the very first one goes to God to honor God. And isn't it interesting? On all of our dollar bills, there's a phrase. On all of our money, there's a phrase. In God we, what? Remember how giving is a test? Do you trust him. Now, to explain tithing, I needed some professional help. And so I needed some help. So I found some help. His name is Pax, and he's going to explain tithing for us in a way that we can all understand, I think. Watch this. Today, we're going to talk about tithing. It's a simple tactic that everyone says understand. Grandma loves her money, but I'm only four. What the thing? So I'm going to teach you this lesson using donuts. They tell me donuts are money. My dad said donuts. I want to eat the They're not my donuts. They're dog donuts. Since I have 10 donuts, that one want the first donut. Just the first, not the last. If you don't deal with the first donut, you might forget. The tar payment. That pay for your house. But I have children like me, and I like toys. Before I take any bites, well, next time. I'm gonna give Dad my 
for a stone. Isn't that good? I love that. I love that. Pax just killing it on the tithing. But what he said is so true. Most people would love to be able, and, and there may be some in the room, this is the first you're hearing about it, that you go, I cannot imagine taking 10% off of what I make and giving it to the church. I cannot imagine that. You want to know why? It could be because you're living here. So even the thought of that kind of puts, it's just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? We're so strapped right now. I want to read a verse to you. Here's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says. Honor the Lord with all of your wealth. Give him the, what's the word? First and the best. What's the result? Then your barns will be, what's the word? And your wine barrels, for those of you who drink, will overflow with new wine. This is God's promise. This is God's promise to you. And he says, I'm gonna test you. Is it really in me you trust? Is it really, or is it the dead president on it that you trust? Where's your trust? Where's your love? Where is it? I would tell my kids, and I have told my kids, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. It doesn't mean you're gonna become a millionaire. It doesn't mean you're become so incredibly wealthy. You buy boats and, no, 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 no. That's not what God's talking about. It's talking about that you will have a life that is full is what he's talking about. I do think practically, absolutely practically, he will also meet your needs in ways that you did not see coming. I told this story to my kids. I sat them down last week and I shared a story where this was a reality for me. God tested me on something with a family who was in need and in one weekend just providing, providing, providing. And I remember sitting at a table with them at a restaurant where they ended up inviting their friends to the restaurant. So now it's not just me and this family that I've already given over $200 to. Now it's me and this family inviting all of their friends. There are 15 of us at this restaurant. And God's going, I want you to pick it up. I'm like, God, how much? See, don't think I don't struggle with it as well. Don't think I don't struggle with it. I want you to pick it up. Picking it up and then blessing. It was like, I mean, hundreds of dollars in one weekend. And I'm telling you, out of the blue, I cannot share the story. Out of the blue, it was the craziest thing how God just gave it all back to me. In the mail. It was, it was insane. Immediately, I come in, I sit Valerie down, I sit my kids down. And it wasn't, look at this. It was, I want you to know your God. I want to tell you this story that you don't know just happened. Your God will come through for you. Trust him, honor him, love him, and put him first. This is what I tell my kids. I want, I want them to experience the blessing of this. And listen, why in the world, you, and I, please hear me, I get it. I grew up in church. I grew up in church. If it bothers you that I would say, I, you, listen, I want you to give to this place, then don't give here. Don't give here if it bothers that I say, but give somewhere to another church. Give somewhere to another church because if it's true that the, lo that the hope of the local community is in the local church, that means the hope of the local church is in the hope of the people sitting in the local church. You're it. I'm it. And what we're doing as a church through Do Good is incredible. We're going to talk more about this tonight, but I just had to show you just a couple of things globally. These are a couple of our organizations that we are uh, helping and partnering with globally. 
Of course, we have a team in India and in Guatemala. We dig water wells that are absolutely incredible. We have that trip coming up. Uh, we have uh, Sri Lanka coming up, Pakistan coming up, just some other places around the world that because you give, we get to go. And then just locally, that's around the world and even more. And then locally, so many, so many ministries. These are not all of them right here in our own backyard of helping build people with homes, helping people with shoes, helping people with clothes, helping people with food, just so practical, pink elementary. Um, it's just amazing what God is doing through your giving. So why do I want you to give? So we can keep doing good. It's that simple. The more you give, the more we can give hope to people around us. It's that simple. Um, one of the areas in particular is Darrington Prison. I've talked about Darrington Prison before, and, uh, and it's in Rochere, and not too far from here at all, 35, 40 minutes from here, and, uh, and it's just amazing what God's doing. We're actually going to throw them a Christmas party um, uh, first Monday of December, and it's going to cost about $600 for pizza, for drinks, for these little goodie bags with letters in them, and so what, what they did was they wrote us letters talking about the difference we have made in their life. This is the difference you are making because of your giving in a group of men not too far from here. And all of us want to make a difference. And that's what you're doing. Um, someone asked me, so how, how, how much does it cost for me to go on a mission trip if I wanted to go do good around the world? $1,200, no matter what mission trip that you take around the world, the church pays the rest of it. That's it. That's it. Same person asked me, well, how much money do you need for do good? For, for like the going around the world, for, for everything, how much money do you need? $275,000 is what it takes for us to do good around the world with all of our partners, which is nothing, by the way. Nothing. Nothing. So the way my mind thinks, I've just kind of got a calculator. I was like, that's so interesting. You know what that would mean? That would mean that every adult between now and January 1 give $200. Between now and January, everybody give $200 to do good. That's it. Now, a lot of you can give a whole lot more. You want to know why? Because there are times in life where we need to be dependent on others. There are times in life where we need somebody to do good for us. And we want to do that when that's the case. But my question would be this. What is it that you could do to help us do good around the world? You are so generous. You're already changing the world. But when it comes to do good, what is it that God will put on your heart to help us accomplish what he's put on our hearts to do through your giving? It's a test. And it is a test of our love. And people are watching. And I think you're killing it with your giving. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. God, thank you so much for the people in this room that we really are. We don't want to just say we're a bridge of hope. We really do want to be a bridge of hope to people around us. God, that is just in a practical, resourceful kind of way, giving them water, food, clothes. God, just the simple necessities of life that we can provide for them. God, I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to do that. And in doing so, we're the ones who get blessed back in return in different ways. God, with joy, God, with, with provision of our own life. God, seeing you do things in our marriage, in our kids' life that are intangible, but yet incredibly internal and spiritual. God, thank you that you would choose to use imperfect people like us to serve a perfect God like you. In your name I pray, amen.